0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. I've been getting a bit of heat this week for calling out the gap between the industry's front runners, who are pushing a progressive agenda, and their followers, and then the laggards. The good, the bad, and the ugly, if you will. But as we touched on in yesterday's edition of this daily podcast, Live from North Shipping, that's quite a reductive view of what is realistically not a linear shift across a single industry. But a messy and difficult series of transitions across a supply chain that is still very fragmented. So in search of a bit more of a balanced view from these front runners, I hopped on an electric scooter to visit Jan Dieleman. I suspect that most listeners are probably going to know who Jan is from previous editions, but for those not familiar, Jan is the head of the shipping division at the commodities giant Cargill, but he's also the chairman of the GMF, the Global Maritime Forum, the nonprofit aimed at bringing voices from across the industry to chart a sustainable future. So he's an interesting person. He's well-versed in both what the best of the industry are not just capable of doing, but are actually doing, and he's all too familiar with the gaps between the rhetoric on show and the reality of chartering decisions in an industry that needs to closely monitor the bottom line. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about why the industry can't move in unison and why we do need regulation to close that gap between the front runners and the laggards. We talked about collaboration and the need for a more holistic conversation across sectors and governments. And we even talked a little bit about carbon capture at the end. But I started off by talking about what he views as the elephant in the room. The fact that shipping may not be able to get what it wants when it comes to a sustainable future of fuels because, and I whisper this for those listeners of a nervous disposition, shipping may not be the most important industry out there. I I think
1: where the industry is today on on the new fuels and the zero and the lower carbon fuels is clearly that we're all competing for the same fuels. That is one. And I think that's getting quite clear if you're talking about hydrogen based fuels but even on the biofuels you can see the same thing with sustainable aviation fuel where you're kind of competing for the same and if you take one step further we're actually all competing for renewable power Mm. which is even more complicated because we all know that it's more efficient to apply renewable power into the normal energy mix than to turn it into fuels right so there is this competition thing that i think that we, we should not underestimate I think what you also see is that all the industries, geographies, sub-segments, we all have the same targets for the same deadlines, mm. actually. So if you're really honest, I think we will not decarbonize every industry, every segment by the same date. And that's a little bit the elephant in the room. But I think in the end of the day, that is the reality. So I think what we should really do here is, is probably three things. It's, is one I think we need to clearly put the demand signals out for these new fuels. Um, otherwise, we are going to be left behind. I think that is one. Um, that is why also we, we took this uh, dual fuel max uh, vessels. That's why some other people have done that. I think that is really moving from ambition statements to, to doing things. And I think that that is important. So we need more people to do that. And um, I think it's also around being smarter Going after the sub-segments that can go faster, because not every segment within Maritime has that same capability. And it's sometimes difficult for me running a big bulk organization to say that, because we probably shouldn't be the first one. Uh, but I still think we have to do our piece. So if you can get close to the end user, uh, that's where you need to focus on. And we're doing that a lot at the moment. Um for instance on the green steel segment that is starting to develop in Europe mm-hmm. that is a segment that you can really start kickstarting things so being smart on where you target so no kind of one brush for all but really be much more specific uh, and kickstart it there and um, of course we need we need regulation as well to be honest and and hopefully now we are going to make that change and we are going to get that because today we're just too much relying on the front runners alone Mm. and i think if you are going to get regulation you're going to get the followers very very quickly as well on the investment path so i think that is an absolute key and i think last i think we should also somehow collaborate and be smart between industries and and trying to focus on those flows where those fuels are available so if you have some clusters of steel making that are going to move into hydrogen that is probably where you should be starting to trying to piggyback on some of these investments from other industries because the reality as well is although the numbers look big we don't need so much in the first couple of years of the transition versus the other industries right Mm. so I, i think if we're smart and making some some really focused decisions i think we can move on with the energy transition but we need to get away from this big ambition, uh, one-size-fits-all,
0: um, and we just really need to get a lot more granular. That's what I would say. Uh, do, you th- do you think there is a danger, with, particularly with this week, where we're in the run-up to MEPC 80? Obviously, a lot of the discussion here in North Shipping has been focused around the outcome of MEPC 80 and that increasing aspiration from the IMO and regulation. and Can we use that to catalyze? Uh, some of the, what you've just been talking about. But th- I guess the concern with that conversation is the focus is 2050, and no matter what you apply to that conversation, you're dealing with um, you know events that the people here at North Shipping are not going to have a long-term control over. The, a, a, a more cynical journalist might suggest that the industry is using that as a pretext for inaction. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as you say, I don't think that is a homogenous view of the industry. Mm-hmm. There's lots of good mm-hmm. actions. But I'm looking this week at the sort of gap between what the industry is saying and what the industry is doing. And realistically, there aren't too many companies that are applying these grand aspirations to science-based targets. So, I mean, how do you, how do you think about this? Should we be shifting the conversation more towards 2030 than 2050 at this stage?
1: Well, I, absolutely. Um, this is actually what we've been doing in our own shop. I think it's great to have an ambition by 2050. It's the North Star, which I think is is great, but you have to have some plans on what you're going to do in the meantime. You can't sit here and say, well, let's see, let's see, let's see, and then magically by 2050, it's all going to be fine. I, I don't think that's realistic. So I, we've set science-based targets for, for 2030, mm-hmm. that's well known. Uh, and it's not easy, right? Because it's 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 nearby. The levers that you have are not always that clear. It's not linear. You have all kind of interdependencies that you don't control. But you have to get closer, and you have to get much more pragmatic. And and I think it's it's time to also take some risk in this energy transition and and putting some of these uh, these chips on the table uh, to create yourself some options on going to zero carbon fuels. Because if you're not doing it now, you're not going to get there by 2030 even so I, I think there is a sense of urgency here to start making a move on on, on one part of the circle mm. and then figuring out the next one as we go uh, so yeah i would absolutely encourage people to to also look much more nearby and, and setting some clear goals there especially now because i think the last couple of years a lot of people have, have learned an awful lot on how emissions actually work. Mm. Uh, so I think there is now a much better understanding on what the levers are and what you can do, what you
0: cannot do, and what some of the financial impacts are. Do you think that we're now finally having the right conversations with the right people? You know, We've talked about this before on the podcast where you know, you've raised concerns that shipping is having a, an insular conversation with shipping. But you know, it strikes me now, we are at least talking with energy companies and governments and a more national approach so that we can see pockets of advancement, be that green corridors, be that off-take agreements, be that you know, bilateral agreements that are going to see some progress. We're not going to get a holistic picture agreed all in one go, but we do need a holistic view in terms of the players that are actually involved in those conversations. Is that is that, you know a conversation that is now apparent, or is it just in the sort of rarefied atmosphere of the Global Maritime Forum that that conversation is happening?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think it's a very fair call out. I think it's, in all fairness, probably more the Global Maritime Forum kind of arena where these, these talks are taking place. I think a lot of pockets in shipping still see shipping as an industry on its own, um, whereas we are an industry that is serving other industries, uh, which have also decarbonisation goals. and the reality today is we're still talking different languages mm. right the rest of the world is talking life cycle emissions we're still talking operational emissions right and and there's all these little things that need to fall in line and and i think in some pockets that's happening um,
0: but there's a lot more to be done there um a few specific questions mepc 80 big elephant in the room how are you feeling you know a month out are we are we going to get something approaching net zero and what about the difficult details that follows uh, it is,
1: <laughs> i have to say i'm Sometimes I wake up and, uh, and I really charge because I think it's, gonna, it's something meaningful is going to come out and then two days later <laughs> I wake up in a completely different state and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. It's simply, I, I just don't know. It's very political. Mm. What I hear is uh, that there is good progress. I think it's probably the closest that we've ever been to getting something agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I really want to see something over the line before we're going to celebrate here. But I think it's absolutely a must. Um, it's not just the ambition, which for me is, 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 is of, of less importance, to be very frank with you. For me, it's much more. We need some clear regulatory kind of pathway uh, in front of us. So we make this industry a lot more investable
0: than it is today. The danger, of course, with investing quite so much in a single meeting is that A, you risk disappointment if we don't make it. And B, there is a danger, and I have heard this from political circles inside national governments, that... If we get an agreement, everybody celebrates, slaps each other on the back, and the next day considers it job done, and then we lose momentum. And actually, we need more pace after MEPC 80 to agree the really difficult stuff. Yeah, um, I think it's all going to depend on what exactly comes out.
1: Um, If the ambition is slightly increased and there's a very kind of uncertain regulatory kind of uh, intent coming out, I think uh, that will be quite disappointing. Um, I do think it's also going to well, It's also going to be very interesting what's going to happen on the European side on um, mm. this one because there is a scenario where if something meaningful comes out, Europe should not have to do something on its own. Mm. Uh, so that could have all kind of other follow-up impacts there. I think, um, but I do think we need to be careful in indeed, as you say, putting all our hopes on one meeting i do think we are preparing ourselves for a multi-fuel and a multi-regulatory environment going forward which is which is new for shipping
0: um but let's see what comes out it's interesting you've had both the european commission and the imo on show out here this week both talking up the possibility that you could see a convergence of global and eu regulation if mepc delivers what they're not talking about is the fact that effectively the european union is pushing an ets scheme and yet inside MEPC is pushing a levy. So the possibility of, you know, two separate competing systems are obviously apparent. We'll deal with the detail when we get there, but, you know, they've assured us double counting is not going to happen. I'm not entirely sure how that doesn't happen if you've got two competing systems at play in one go. But at least, I guess, we are talking about the possibility of if we make the right moves, then we reduce some of that regional uh, divergence, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, and I think I think logic tells you that the better scheme, of course, is a global scheme. We also know that the global scheme is extremely difficult to implement, mm. uh, extremely difficult to govern. Uh, so I, I would absolutely uh, encourage those systems to somehow get harmonized over time. But I think the reality is going to be, it's going to be bumpy. Mm. It's going to be a lot of uncertainty, even in the ETS today. Uh, not everything is clear. But I think as an industry, uh, we need to also get to the point that We need to get away from this perfection before we implement something. And we need to have this approach of let's get going and we'll amend it as we go. And the same is with the CII, right, where we Mm. have all discussions on it, where I think just see it as an intent or a a direction of travel instead of that this is the black and white kind of way things are going to be uh, dealt with in the future. So,
0: It's interesting, you've seen... um the divide in the industry up close this week, you've, you've had the likes of, you know, traditional Greek ship owners like George Economou saying it's not, it's not feasible to even sort of tweak CIR, we just need to scrap it. Within the first three minutes of North Shipping opening, a ship owner stood up and said, I'm not Greenpeace, I don't follow the environment, I follow the economics. Uh, you know, these are you know sound bites, I guess, but they do rather reflect the extremities of the industry and the thinking behind some of the corporate strategies on show here. You know, we are not an industry that is, in any way, joined up in its thinking yet.
1: No, I, f- I think it's right, and I, I, the way I look at the CII is 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 just a step in in creating the transparency. I think that is the first part here. We all know that the way the transparency around the operational side, which was the missing piece is not the, the right metric as it is today. We all know that, and we can all jump up and down on that, but it is what it is. But I think the notion that we're going to get more transparency, which I think will also start becoming part of commercial decision-making, mm. so the economics are going to be part of that, that is just a given. And, and what the metric is exactly, I think you can talk for hours on this one, yeah. um, but I don't think that is the real purpose of this discussion.
0: Final question. Final question. I've noticed a real shift in the language um, around carbon capture this week. It's been there in the background for a while in this discussion, but the industry's not been reluctant to talk about it, but I don't think it's necessarily been front and centre of the plans because we've wanted to talk about fuels, we've wanted to talk about regulation. Carbon capture is difficult, it's there, but it's generally been a land-based discussion. I'm sensing, A, that that is now a ship-based discussion, and also a lot of the big political speeches this week have moved the language subtly towards the goals, including fossil fuels without or with abatement. That's the language. Are we now going to start having a proper conversation about whether carbon capture is intrinsic in part of these plans? And and what does that mean for shipping, in your view?
1: Yeah, I I think the reality is that if you want to go through the energy transition and and, and get to a zero carbon world, then you need all the tools which are available. And I think what we have seen is that some of them come to the forefront and some of them disappear again. And you mentioned carbon capture. You can put the same on on nuclear, actually. That also seems to be coming in and out, right? And and I think that is something that will happen and will continue to happen. Uh, Specifically on carbon capture, uh, we've looked at it and, and we will continue to look at it. I think it's a a huge challenge to do it on board. Uh, Not so much the capturing itself, but the whole logistics of of getting it off board, getting it into places. And and if you add all the whole carbon footprint of doing some of that, then some of it doesn't make a lot of sense in my view. I do think we will see some carbon capture on specific routes that end up in certain places where carbon capture might be easy. Um, But I don't think this is the golden bullet for the silver bullet for this industry uh, to get
0: to get to zero. Wonderful. Thank you very much. That's where we're going to leave it for today. My thanks to Jan for his time today and thank you to everybody who's been listening this week. It's been genuinely very heartening whizzing around Oslo and Lillestrøm bumping into listeners and hearing your views on what we're doing. Uh, please do keep seeking me out. I'd love to talk. I'll be back tomorrow with more and then on Friday I'm going to be bringing you a closing edition from North Shipping with the full Lloyd's List team out here in Oslo. Uh, we'll get their take on what they've got from the week and their key takeaways and insights. In the meantime stay safe out there and hopefully I'll bump into a few more of you on Ackerbrugger this evening.